Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. us like a piece of clay. We become what we see, hear, and feel every day. But what changed us? What was the craftsmanship that made us stop and say, wow? It could be movies, music, clothing, architecture, an idea. Today we're talking about art that changed us, who we were before, and how we were altered on this episode of The Brighter Side. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I know. I like had so many creative ideas coming out of this. I love telling people what I love. Because we have good taste. I have the best taste. Everyone else tastes like their tongue is colorblind. Doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> and also but feel yeah. free to write in with what you like. You Please, know, things that might yeah. have changed you. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously everyone's uh, influenced by something different because there's so much shit now. Yeah. And, you know, like now, especially now, there's more than with the internet, there's more than ever. Um, but things in your moments in your life, even, yeah. you know, stuff that like really, because I love art. Obviously, I've, we've dedicated our lives to art. You yeah. Know? Comedy, you know, acting, whatever. And uh, poems, you know, you're now writing a, a book, yeah. you know, like, you know, art, you know, art is very cool. And so I think that uh, it's important for us to talk about where we came from. Uh, and please let us know what you're into and what keeps you motivated. Absolutely. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the things that I concentrated on in all in all of these is like what keeps me motivated. Oh, right. And a thing that you saw that you're like, I didn't know it could be this way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I, I we, we do, we're going to do a bunch of different uh, categories, movies, live performance, music, TV, fashion, yeah. uh, paintings or murals, uh, architecture, uh, books, comic books, uh, you know, the the people who changed us that are artists and uh, places that are very art inspired or I just the actual place itself that changed the way we think. I'm come from very high controlled areas, like obviously Saudi Arabia and then mm -hmm. living in the deep Bible belt South. Now they're both very different, yeah. but they're both very conservative. So a lot of this is stuff that like slipped through that the conservative elders didn't realize it was a thing that they could control. And I yeah. saw, 
And I was like, oh my God, it can be this oh way. My God. It's the times like being in Murder Fist, the times like somebody would see us and then afterwards like, I never knew that we could do stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, just have fun, man. Just fucking go for it. Fucking, you know, you take your shirt off, throw it around your head like a helicopter. Yes. Um, but I want to say the to get me started before we even get into this, the thing that like really like changed my life because I was just like such a straight edge jock, you know, when I was younger. But the thing that really changed me was drama class. Drama, when I, freshman year of high school, when I signed up for drama class, I like, I couldn't believe that this was something that, first of all, that I can get graded on. Yeah. That I could do in school. It's fun. And that I, you know, and that I could, I love movies my whole life. Yeah. I liked watching TV. I like cartoons, you know, but like, why was it, you know, but the drama class, I got to do it myself. I got to memorize the lines. I got to feel uh, like the emotions of somebody else and like let it pour out of me. You know, it was, it was so cool. I got to write one act plays, you know, they weren't good, but I wrote them. And then like, I look back at this stuff now and I'm like, holy shit. Like I used to like for, I, I didn't realize it, but I was like doing sketch comedy in high school and had no idea. Cause I would, we had this assignment in drama class where we had to write a one act play, a three page one act play sketch yeah and i wrote one for my group and we rehearsed it the class really liked it and then i ended up writing most of the ones for everyone else in the class and i ended up writing like everyone else's sketches for them because they didn't they they weren't they couldn't figure it out just yet yeah we're freshmen you know and i was like in such a creative jo- mojo mode that I wrote everybody's. And and then as I look back, I remembered that. And I was like, holy fuck, I was writing sketch comedy and I had no goddamn idea. And then I look back and I think, like, I used to host the pep rallies. Yeah. You know, and like, and I was like, I'm sitting there and that's an hour long show, me and a microphone for 500 fucking people, getting them on their feet for an hour, you know? And it's just like, holy, he's like, I was a successful stand up, you know? Like, it's like, you look back at these things, you didn't realize I was doing it. I didn't realize I, I was already becoming an artist you know and he was just like now i feel like that's when some of the best stuff will pour out of you when you don't even realize that you're doing it absolutely you're just becoming more and more of who you are every day was there something that wasn't like like drama class for you or anything like that was there because i know you used to sing a lot and stuff i like would that. show up to school they would have assemblies for like trash litter day you like pick up your litter on campus mm-hmm. and i would show up to high school with a whitney number and be like, I believe the children are future. I'm, I'm the child. I would just yeah. sing. I was like, well, I guess I've got to sing again. And like, no one ever asked me. I would just show up at the boombox and I love sing. It. <laughs> I, that's so great. Yeah. The, the things we would do back then, we had no idea. I was in, I was in chorus. I was in. I did the morning announcements. I was in student council. Like anything yeah. to get out of math. You know, like <laughs> I was, exactly. You know, and so uh, in high school, I became an artist. But had no idea that I was actually becoming an artist. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that happens to a lot of people. But uh, it, just drama class for me uh, set me off. So if you have any younger uh, siblings or cousins or kids, hey, tell them to take you uh, do the play. You know, tell them to the see, see, see what happens. And like you know, for me, because I was football all the way. You know, I was real hardcore, smashed my head into all the dudes. I was really good at it. You know, so I was like, I was a football 110%. And then like one day it clicked for me 
Yeah, it's like football is so violent and gross, and like drama class is like I don't know. It, it's cool. I get to express myself, and it's where all the chicks are. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and yeah. I'm not gay like the other guys. Wow, you know, so this is like it's very. It gives you a leg up. It gives you a leg up. <laughs> My teachers used to say theater is a safe place to do unsafe things. Yeah. So it's a way, it's a place where you can like, and that's what art is, really. You want to see this unsafeness, but you have a safety. It's so interesting because okay. we look at the Boy Scouts, we look at uh, who had their problems, we look at Penn State football, we even look at the gymnastics team. It's like the one place that we were safe was the one that our parents were trying to keep us away from, and that's theater. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I went to college with a scholarship for theater. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And that was a fun little, I, I like to look at my life as a lot of like ups, like little bitty ups, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a big up of, oh, I get to be around people that are like-minded. Yeah. And I don't have to like feel like I'm weird or wrong all the time. I love that. You know? Yeah. I go like, if you don't mind. No, let's you let's go. Let's start the off. change. So like we'll start with movies. So I remember back in the day, like Blockbuster or Family uh-huh. Video, you didn't know what the movie was. You just saw the cover and be like, this is cool. So I like I'm I literally like we both started off the same way. By yeah. The way. Right, absolutely. And so I pick out this movie, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it looks cool. And I'm in charge of the movie night with my friends. Yeah. So I put it on and I'm in high school i put it on and they they shut it off amber this is so awful what's going on and i was like this looks really cool and then i went home and i watched it later of course without my parents knowing whatever but i was like i really like this i don't think i'm wrong yeah i think this is cool somehow i mean they made it it, it, enough to work where you were holding it in your hand so people like it people like it they did not and that was the change of like i've got to move on and the music's so good in that too yes so it's not only like interesting uh art and acting and story it is awesome music and Mm -hmm. so it's everything that you love all wrapped up into one absolutely and it's fucking weird Yes, <laughs> absolutely. The other movie I like, or do you want to go next on movies? I wanted to, I wanted to talk about because we have very similar um, Albertsons, um, the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I love ham. No, just kidding. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the they used to do this thing when I because my parents used to leave me alone all the time. Yeah, and when we're very young age, I'm an only child, and they both worked like way overtime to like you know 8 p.m. You know, so I was home alone a lot. And what I, the Albertsons had this deal where I remember it was, and I could walk to Albertsons from home. It was 10 movies for 10 days for 10 bucks. That's a great deal. But it was only old movies. Okay. And so I saw every old movie in one summer. And oh, so you were like a child being like, I like Casablanca when he says in this bar. I literally had a Casablanca poster in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> like that's how much of a fucking movie nerd I was. Okay. I love, I love that shit. And so I, Alverson's uh, 10 for 10 movies. Uh, and I, I saw everything when I was so young. Cause I was also like 11, 12 maybe. And I'm watching like Taxi Driver, you know, Fingers, which is a movie, or I guess that's kind of a rare movie to talk about, but I loved it growing up. Harvey Keitel piano movie where yes, he gets deals with gangsters. It's a great movie. But like all these other movies, oh, Mean Streets, like lots of Scorsese. Also, I, I just started, I would pick a director and I would just go through their catalog, Spielberg, you know, Empire of the Sun, just all these great movies that I, I loved so much. And I was able to just like, in, fucking engulf myself in it. And so uh, the Albertsons 10 movies for 10 days uh, for 10 bucks really was like, 
set me off on movies in general. And you still love movies to this day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, go. we, we can keep talking about movies because mm-hmm. I know you got another one. Uh, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yeah. Yes. Ryan likes it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time Bandits is great. I love it because I was like a lone. Any Terry Gillum, by the way. He, he's a phenomenal. Do you know that Time Bandits and then it's Brazil and then Adventures of Baron Munchausen, that's considered a trilogy? I never saw Adventures of Munchausen. Because Time Bandits is like a little boy growing up. Yeah. He's an adult now. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil, learn... Love and, Brazil. Brazil. Oh, my God. What a fucking kooky movie. Yeah, but it's I, basically a man becoming disenfranchised with the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... It's Baron, a very Fuck the Man movie. Very Fuck the Man movie. And then um, Baron Munchausen is about a man, old man grappling death. Yeah. So they're considered a trilogy. But I remember, because Time Bandits, I was a lonely kid. You know, I, I didn't really have much friends. I was always moving around. And then I see this movie about a lonely kid mm-hmm. that figures it out. And if he can do it, I can do it. And then, spoiler alert, his parents die at the end. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, it was sad, but it was like... One of the first movies I saw as a kid that it was dark and sad and weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it can be like this? Yeah. I didn't know it could be like this. Yeah, no, it's, I had one time, the, for my next movie thing was uh, the one day I was very young and way too young to be home alone, but my parents, both full-time jobs, no one to watch me. I got I had a fever. I was sick. Uh, I couldn't go to school. Both my parents had to go to work. There was no choice. They didn't know what to do. And so my dad's like, all right, you're going to stay home alone. And then he went out to West Coast Video and he came back with, now I'm like, Nine, ten tops. That's young. Young, way too young to be home alone. And he came back with Airplane, Young Frankenstein, and Blazing Saddles. That's amazing. And he was just like, watch these movies. And then like, <laughs> I, I, like, I literally watched them back to back to back by myself. Tits, fucking curse words, like every joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like it was like I was my mind was like, what the fuck's going on? You know, so yeah. That that was a very important day in my life to the fact that I was so young and I still remember it and I spent it by myself. And then like I remember when the third movie ended, because they're all so short. I just put the next one, I put it back on. I just like did the loop again. It was the coolest day and I learned so much about timing, about joke writing, about comedy, you know, and it's so funny. We talk about earlier about drama class and now like my father wanted me to be a football player. He didn't realize that he made me a comedian that day, you know? (laughs) And so it's a, it was a beautiful day. And so those three movies were so important. Airplane, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein back to back to back. I love it. Changed my mind about everything. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of our stuffs are like in the past of what changed us, but mm-hmm. I'll say a movie recently that changed me that's older is Jaws. Oh, yeah. Because I had never seen it. And then I My went, favorite movie. I went on like the $1 movie day or whatever, and I was just like yelling and screaming. The whole audience, I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah. Everybody was just like, oh, no. Yeah, because it was in IMAX, first of all, which yeah. is like a way to see Jaws because you can like see shooting stars in the background and stuff yeah. like that. Because they filmed it on the ocean, which is insane to think that anyone would try and film on the ocean, you know, like it's just crazy. It's camera equipment. You yeah. can get electrocuted. <laughs> it's salt. Like none of it works. No. It rains. It's off of Martha's Vineyard. It's a bad idea. Yeah. But it made the best. That stress made one of the greatest movies ever made. It's just a barrel coming up out of the water. But you're like, no. It's terrifying. No. Why is a big yellow barrel so scary? It's because it's what we don't know. Yeah. And that's what that movie, because like, Honestly, if everything would have worked out fine, that movie probably wouldn't even be popular because because the the shark was supposed to be in the whole fucking movie. 
And then the shark wasn't working, so they had to work around it. They had to show from the point of view of the shark. They could just show it for two seconds. And then we were forced to use our imagination to fill in the blanks on what the shark was looking like and what the attacks were like. And that was so much more scary than actually seeing it ourselves. Yes, because your brain is going to think of a much more scarier monster. Yeah. It's like there's a Twilight Zone episode. I still remember this. This was from a long time ago. But um, these kids are swimming in the pool and they always go down in the pool to this other world, you know, with these fantasy cool. creatures. And they're so nice. And they always want to stay, but the creatures are like, no, you have to go back right now. But then one day they hear their parents arguing and they're going to get a divorce, which is huge in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And so they go in the bottom of the pool and they're like, can we stay? And they say, okay. So it cuts to the shot of the mother running out of the house in horror. And you see her face. And you know there's two dead kids in the pool. Bottom of the pool. They didn't have to show it. Yeah. You don't like we know it. Yeah. You know? Fucking awesome. Show don't tell. Hell yeah. I love that. That's amazing. You know, you'll probably hear me mention something Disney-like in this episode a couple times. Do you but, like Disney? I don't know. Well, I was obsessed with this child. And then I grew out of it. And, you know, when I started doing drugs, I like turned my back on Disney and football and which was, you know, half beneficial to me. And for a couple of years, at least, you know, while I was discovering weed, I just let that and Bob Marley take over. And um, but what brought me back was Wall-E. Wall-E was like when I, I was like, it was the first time I was ever supposed to hang out with Cena Gaznavi. And it was our first like friend date. And he was like, let's go see Wally. And I'm like, you want to go see this fucking Disney movie? Mm -hmm. You know? And then he told me to go to the wrong movie theater. And it, because the movie was playing at the same time in two separate theaters. And he told me to go to the wrong theater. And then I was there and I was like, where are you? He's like, I'm at this other theater, but the movie is starting right now. Well, I'm like, well, I'm just going to watch this fucking movie. We'll yeah. hang out late. I'll, I'll meet up with you afterwards. And it crushed me. Like it, like because I don't know if you've ever seen Wally. Yes, it is such an emotional film. It's a it's an apocalypse film. Yeah, like it's like, it was like what this cartoon, this robot cartoon is like an apocalypse film. That, like I didn't know yeah. what I was getting into when I went and saw it, and it was so emotional. And it's like you know, it's showing how important it is to not be lazy and to like fucking fight for yourself and to like to love and to, you know, enjoy art, you know, because Wally loves the, the Hello Dolly and he can't stop watching Hello Dolly. I want to cry. Yeah, and he's just like, it's like his only friend's a cockroach, Aww. you know, and it's like, and it's like, and it's like, and these giant, and Walmart has ruined the world by and large. Yeah. You know, and so it's all these things and it's just like, I was like, oh my God. God, what? Why am I feeling all this? And then I was like, all right, so I guess I got to start watching these Disney movies again. And then it just sent me on a whirlwind of art and emotion. And I was just like, I'm in. And then Up, I think, was the next movie that came out. Yeah. And then that movie was so emotional. And I was just like, I'm in. Oh, now. the first few minutes of Up, I, I just cried. Yeah. The whole yeah. time. It, it, the whole fucking time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
Well, Disney has some of the best animators in the world, especially well, yeah. the classic well, Disney. Well, because it's like playing for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, it's like it's the it's the goal. You know, it's what everyone wants to do. And so it's just, yeah, of course they got the best. Because it's, you know, that's what you have to, that's what you strive to become. And yeah, Disney is, uh, is like they, a bunch of stinkers. You know, let's not like forget that they put out a bunch of horrible films. Yeah. Wasn't Walt Disney also like an anti-Semite? You know, these you, people, I think, like to exaggerate this a little bit. I really do. Like, they say he was a Nazi, but he clearly wasn't a Nazi because he was making propaganda for the U.S. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and all this stuff. I mean, he definitely was anti-union. Uh, and he and he was uh, and he was in favor of the blacklist, which are two things that I fucking despise about. What's the him. blacklist? Um, basically McCarthyism, and like when McCarthy would come out and he like he said that like basically you're a communist, and they would just lock you up or kick you out of the business, no. you know, and stuff like that. And Walt Disney actually got behind him no. for some reason. I don't know why. Very aggravating part of uh, his history to me. And uh, but the but overall, I mean, greatest storyteller of all time yeah i guess like you know i don't know like who else you would pick you know he, he, granted he took other people's stories but it doesn't even matter you know it's just like so it's you know i you take it or leave it and he also he changed the way we're entertained you know like it changed uh you know the, the parks you know like he took like like you know how what why disneyland was invented right oh he wanted a park that you couldn't see in well all right so he was at griffin park sitting on a bench by the merry-go-round. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting there and he was looking around Griffin Park. His kids are on the merry-go-round, the carousel. And really great carousel, still there to this day. Uh, and he's looking around and there's all these fucking hobos and people spitting and smoking cigarettes. And like, you know, well, he, he smoked like a chimney himself. But, yeah. the uh, you know, it was gross. People were drunk. And he's like, this fucking sucks. And he's like, we need somewhere where parents and kids that can go and where it's clean and nice. And we can, they can all enjoy each other. And, you know, and, I, you know, so that was fucking cool. And he, that's where Disney came from. Okay. Like, that he wanted to make a cleaner, better place. Safe place. And that's probably why you like Disney so much is you were allowed to be free as a child. My parents would just fucking drop me off. There you go. And I would just run around that joint, fucking running on rides left and right out of the best time. But that being said, it was such a major influence in my childhood. And then I abandoned it for like a decade while I, you know, discovered drugs. And, uh, and then I came back to it and it was... Incredible. And now you do drugs at Disney. I mean, I did them back. That was how that was how I got back into it for a little while is mm -hmm. I would just run to Disney and do acid and have a good time. And, you know, check out the new uh, Wizard and the Bruiser that me and Natalie would talk about all my acid experiences at Universal Studios. But that being said, uh, Zootopia, the new one also, like those movies that were very conscious. Uh, I love their attitude and I love where they're at. And I think it's some of the most important stories being told uh today and uh and wally and up got me back into it and made me realize how important it is pixar in particular is usually crushing it they're kind of sucked these days that's but, okay but you know but they but for the most part they're pretty great they they're got a great batting average nice <laughs> nice for the performance so now we have live performance unless live. you have more movies no i mean i can mention the cohen brothers for two seconds yeah I, they're unbelievable you know, they taught me that, you know, because I'm a big drama fan and I'm a big comedy fan. Oh, brother, were, where art thou? Yeah, and they were the ones that figured out how to put it together. And I think that's really fucking cool. What else have they done? Oh, brother, where art thou? What else? Raising Arizona, one of my favorite movies they I've never did. seen that. Oh, my God, Amber. You would love Raising Arizona. 
Yeah. Nicolas Cage is best performance. I think he's a phenomenal actor. He I know people make actor. fun of him, but I think he's fucking great. Him That's and Pig. Great. Oh, Pig. He was. Pig. He should have won awards for that. Oh, at least not recognized Something. for it. For, but um, yeah, that Raising Arizona, No Country for Old Men is my favorite movie that they do. Serious Man, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So many movies. They're, they're talented. They're, they're extremely talented. Barton Fink. Uh, Miller's Crossing, screwed, great gangster film, came out the same year as Goodfellas, and everyone didn't even pay attention to it. Uh, so the, the, the Coen brothers are unbelievable. Uh, you know, movie wise, please spend some time with them if you haven't. But of course, you have. They're fucking very popular. <laughs> live performance. What is the first, what is one of the first live performances that? I was thinking about this. So our we have a state fair where I'm from in Franklinton. Okay, I love this. It's the largest state fair in the South. I think it's free to mm-hmm. go in there. And there's this big stage where the Oak Ridge Boys were playing. Okay. And the, unfortunately, the stage itself in the middle of this like mud pit area, it's not um, accessible for people with wheelchairs or crutches or, mm-hmm. you know, there's no like Mississippi ramps. Mississippi for this? Sorry? Was this in Mississippi? It's in Louisiana. Louisiana, okay. So there's no like, you know handicap accessible places so Uh there's a side stage that is and it's like kind of by this little creek and you can kind of hear but not really yeah but my one of my youth pastors who was a really nice guy he gathered all the people that wanted to see the like they wanted to see a show they still deserve a show yeah um but they couldn't get in they couldn't hear it so they went and sat down and he looked at me and he's like amber you like to sing get up there and he just handed me a microphone and I entertained oh I don't know how God. long I, but I was like funny I was like telling jokes it was like one of the first few times I was like allowed to be funny that's so cool and I would sing songs tell jokes like talk to people I was like a kid I was a freshman in high school I was tiny wow but it was a very life changing of like oh I can just like do this you know yeah that and happened, people liked it that happened to both freshman year of high school for both of us by the way look at us yeah and um i would say for my the live performance that changed my life mm-hmm. was a sketch comedy show in college in holden mcneely's driveway he, oh really he it was the first semblance of murder fist they were called Girls Aren't Funny, uh, but the, the group was mostly girls. And so mm-hmm. that's the only reason that you could do the jokes because the girls were actually hilarious and in all the sketches and right, helped right, write right. everything. But they were called Girls Aren't Funny, and they put on this sketch show in Holden's parking lot. And I was there because I sold the weed, and I was hanging out watching the show, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I can do this. I know I can fucking do this. Yeah. You know? And so I was just like, and after the show, I was like telling them, I'm like, I want to be a fucking part of this. I want to, and then a couple months later, I was in the group, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't. And then I had to, you know, I will say one of the things about being in murder fist in those days, cause they were all like BFA. Florida state is a huge theater school. I I don't know if you know, it's like, it's one of the top four theater schools in the country. You know, there's some like theater schools that aren't Harvard or Yale that are probably better for you. Because mine course. was really good too, because we got to do all the plays and we got to write our own stuff. Yeah. And like it was like constant plays. A lot of those like AMDA schools, you have one play a year. Exactly. Sorry, you're not gonna learn one play a year. You gotta get out there. You yeah. gotta do all of it. Yeah, and so like they're all in this. John Moreno, Henry Zabrowski, Holden, uh, Jackie wasn't around yet, but she eventually got into the program as well. And there was a BFA program, and they were all amazing and doing this thing. And I joined up, and I'm just Joe Schmo yeah. at this point. Like I did all this stuff in high school, but they don't know or care about that. And you know, I'm just their weed salesman who they think it's funny to have me as a part of their thing. 
And so at first I didn't got all the uncreative characters and stuff like that. And then one day I played the straight man and fucking destroyed. You're a very good play straight man. I love playing the straight man because I look like a lunatic. <laughs> and so it, it really works when I play the straight guy. And then when I we figured that out, everything changed from that day on. And so uh, they made me earn my stripes and I appreciate that's that. That's amazing. So that live performance in Holden's driveway changed my life. And that's why you're here today. Honestly, yeah. That's yeah. Why, yeah, it, absolutely. You'd still be going chicken wings in, in Florida if it weren't for that. Honestly, that's why we're all here. And if you want to get down to it, like yeah. even Henry, like we wouldn't have moved to New York together to do like, like all this shit like that's we all started together in this fucking parking lot in Tallahassee I wouldn't have met you I know it's so fucking bizarre that's it's, wonderful it, it, it's really crazy uh, any other live performances? Um, this one is actually pretty recent that okay. changed me. So I went to go into the gym and I saw a line of people and they seemed um, for a concert at the Palladium and mm -hmm. they seemed very um, cool Something about the vibe of these people standing in line. Yeah. Like, I felt safe, you know? And I was like, what is this? They're like, oh, it's a band. It's a few bands for this, like this metal show. And I yeah. was like, okay. So I just get a ticket. I don't look up the band. I just trusted my instincts. Mm -hmm. And I have one of the best nights of my life. The headlining band was Arch Enemy. It's a female-led band. Rock and roll. And it was just a way of saying, like, a woman singing metal that was genuinely good. Mm -hmm. That wasn't like, oh, give a round of applause. Like she was a fucking badass. Yeah. And also trusting your instincts and how that can like work out just fine. Yeah. The vibes were good. I got in the mosh pit. I love this. You know? Yeah. It's okay. I think that's so cool. Um, you remember uh there was a stand-up comedian, one of the first stand-ups I met when I moved to New York. Um, cause Murderfist started in Tallahassee, but then we all decided to move to New York together and continue uh doing sketch comedy together. And one of the first stand-ups I ever met uh, was a totally bizarre, off-the-wall comedian. Uh, he's not popular right now. I don't even know what he's doing, to be honest with you. Um, but he changed the way that I think about comedy, and that's uh, a man named Mike Dobbins. Do you remember him? I know Mike Dobbins. Yeah. He, he's like, hilarious. He was so funny. Yeah. There was like – he destroyed me. He would do the – he was so avant-garde comedy, but he would go into these like – like normal rooms, like these normal clubs, and he would still kill, but he would be like, I'm a walrus. And then he'd get on the ground and be like, arr, 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 and just like dumbest shit I've ever seen in my whole life. And it's yeah. like, oh, commit to the bit and, you know, and like timing, and you win. You know, you don't even need to have like properly written material. Like, you just, if you commit and you have timing, you're fucking funny. And I learned that from watching Mike Dobbins. And when for years, when I used to run dog shit with uh, Ben Kissel, a stand-up show that we used to have all around town, uh, you'll probably get mad when you hear this. Mike Dobbins was the only comedian I would pay. Oh, yeah, he I would pay me in beer. Yeah, I would give I people beer drink, and stuff, but yeah. I would always give him ten dollars. Yeah, right. because because he was like because he didn't drink first of all, and and second of all, he uh, he. He really, really appreciated it. And he put his heart and soul out there. Like yeah. I never, like no one else did. So I, I, he always, Mike Dobbins, man, I don't know where the fuck you are. Um, but uh, he eventually, I think he quit, you know, and like he did like aluminum siding or some shit or like, you know, that's Oh my God. I, is he going to be like, I don't get no respect? Oh, uh, well, that's like one of my other things later on, but we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But yeah, Mike Dobbins live performance uh, in New York when I first got there made me realize I can do anything I want on stage. Oh, yeah. um, Bonnaroo, 2007, 2008. I went two years in a row. I saw 
so many great bands um, forever ago, the Flaming Lips, the Black Keys. Uh, I saw Mavis Staples Sunday morning. It was like going to church. I saw My Morning Jacket do a four-hour show from midnight to four in the morning with Zach Galifianakis singing the last song. I got to see Levon Helm, my favorite singer, my favorite person from the band, uh, Modesky, Martin, and Wood. I saw, saw you know, the list is like obviously very long, but it was just like, I'm not even a big festival guy. I don't know if I've been to one since, but I learned like that was a very, for me, knowing about music, that was a turning point for me and getting into it. And it was before the comedy tents and stuff like that. And so we were, and so it was very, it was very cool. It was very intimate back then. Uh, I mean, like obviously like the flaming lips and the police and tool had like 200,000 people at it, but I, I got to see Modesky, Martin and Wood with like 30 people in the jazz tent, Wow! you know, and I got to see trombone shorty with like seven people when he was like what? a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And so that Bonnaroo was insane for me that the live performances of those two years just made me like from then on, I have, I've talked about on the show before I've developed a rule, which is once a month I go see a concert. It's big, small, something like that. It's good for my soul. I go once a month ever since those two Bonnaroo's. And I'm like, I need this in my life. And it shaped you as a person yeah. art that shaped us. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I saw Don Rickles live. Me too. Yeah. I saw him up in uh, Westbury yeah. in, the, in the round and Regis Philbin opened for him. I saw him in like, um, it was like a casino, not a casino, but like. That a, would make sense. It was folding chairs. It was yeah. just like a conference room with folding chairs. You would never think a, com like a comedian's going to be up there. Yeah. Was he by himself or did he have the band with him? He had the band with him. I love that it shit. It was so good. He full orchestra. Yeah. A stand-up comedian. He would bring a full orchestra with him. What? Who? You you know how much money you're losing as a stand-up to bring an orchestra? <laughs> yeah. Like, he would do it. It was fucking unbelievable. He's class. And people call him, like, the king of mean or whatever. But then I saw the him. Sultan of Insultin. The Sultan of Insultin. Yeah. He actually wasn't that mean. And it changed me in a way. Yeah. Of when you roast someone, mm -hmm. it should have a spark of friendship or love or respect in Well, there. that's how you get away with it. Right. Because if you're just like, you're a bad person, it's not funny. He loved his family. You know, he, he loved being, he loved his friends. He would always hang out with them. Watch Mr. Warmth. That was his real nickname, Mr. Warmth. Uh, the, uh, but go, go watch that movie. Uh, John Landis, I think, directed it. And it was uh, one of the better comedian uh, documentaries I've ever seen. And Don Rickles, Ben Kissel and I went and saw Don Rickles at the Westbury Theater and all the way out in Long Island together. I love that. And I, we, we had such a lovely time. We pre-gamed in the park. We were the only people uh, tailgating Only in the people park. under 90. <laughs> oh, my God. One of my best jokes on an old person was after the show, uh, where everyone's leaving. Kissel and I had the best time of our lives. We were so happy, just elated to see Don Rickles. And I remember holding the door for this woman who must know younger than 100. Yeah. And uh, I was holding the door for her. I was like, do you have a good time tonight she's like he was not as funny as he used to be and i was like neither are you oh <laughs> did she laugh yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, so yeah. funny <laughs> yeah and it just showed you that like the thing that you love to do you mm -hmm. could be doing it till you're 90 yeah. till 100 now you could think that's sad but if you love to do it that's what keeps you alive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. amen uh one more live performance do you have any more live performances that's it for me i got one more i'll throw it out there real quick fiddler on the roof on broadway whoa fucking uh, like it made me realize that I'm mostly Jew. I'm like, we're half Jew. Mm -hmm. And it made me like, I've, I mean, obviously I'd seen Holocaust movies. I've seen Chandler's List and stuff like that. But 
like Fiddler, like that, like really like shows what the community is yeah. and like, like how everyone comes together and loves each other and feeds each other and takes care of each other as a community and Fiddler on the Roof, like it fucking blew my mind live. The dancing was incredible. It's also the Broadway. music is so good. It's Broadway. Yeah. But it, it was just like, I was just, fuck, I was blown away. And then ever since then, I've considered myself more of a Jew than a Catholic. Interesting. Because I was my mom was Catholic and my dad was Jewish, mm-hmm. and I was baptized, confirmed, Holy Communion, all that shit. And I didn't like the Catholicism. I hated the religion. I hated going to Catholic school. And then, you know, fast forward, I start meeting my Jewish family after I moved to New York because uh, they all live in New Jersey, and I didn't know them my whole life because my dad was a dickhead to them. And so I, then I then I one of them, Jeff's sister Robin, took me to go see Fiddler. And I was, by the end of the, I really, I was on the fence where I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a bar mitzvah. Yeah. Like I literally, after seeing that show, I was like, I want to become a full Jew. I want to do it. And the only reason I didn't do it is because I don't believe in God, but the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a major point in it, but I love the community and it really like ever since then. I really felt so much closer to the Jewish community. See, I always thought of you as a full-blown Jewish man. And you were like, no, I'm half Catholic. But I guess Fiddler on the Roof made you want to be like embracing your Jewish heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then growing up, like all my best friends were Jewish. Like it was, yeah. like, it was you know, it was always a huge part of me, but I had no fucking clue. Yeah. And then Fiddler, at the end of that, seeing that with my cousin, who was like, who'd seen it for the millionth time that time. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it. But I knew all the songs. I knew all the songs. I was like... I was just so taken aback, and it was so beautiful that it is by far my favorite musical. Match, make a match, make, make a match, me a match. Find me a catch. Catch me a catch. It's the best. It's okay, I love I, it. I, I love it. It's so good. Um, but let's stay on the topic of music a little bit. Okay. You know, what, what do you got for me? I got a, I got Obviously, I got a list. Oh, you got a list. I definitely have a couple. I'll think of some more. Uh, Prince, first and foremost. Yes. I discovered him way too late. I was in my mid or early to mid 20s, like 23 mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, I didn't know that you could be so sexual and flamboyant and yeah. confident and wear the colors and dance. Like, you know, because again, I was raised very Southern Baptist and also yeah. in like a heavy, strong Muslim community. I, I, they, they, they didn't have Prince. <laughs> yeah. Saudi Arabia doesn't have prints. Um, but I saw it. That was the first time I was like, oh, my God, I can wear what I want. Mm-hmm. I can be sexual. I could be confident. It was like directly went against everything in my past that I hated. And it just I would listen to his music on repeat. Yeah. And I'm a huge Prince fan, but I'm very late to the game. I'll yeah. acknowledge it. I didn't start liking Prince till like, I don't know, seven years ago. And I had no idea what I was missing. And he's, first of all, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Oh, my God. Uh, Every instrument. He can pick up any instrument. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And um, my, like, first, like, real girlfriend in high school was a huge Prince fan. And I used to always make fun of her for it. And then I, I... so stupid. I'm so dumb. She was right. I was wrong. Because you're you know, just like, like, who's this little man dancing around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most beautiful girl in the world was the only song I knew. You right. know, I'm like, this song's so stupid. Now I love the fucking song, you by the way. beautiful girl in the world. <laughs> I love that fucking song. Yeah. But yeah, she actually made, she bedazzled her sweater and made a print symbol on her sweater. I love this bitch. Oh my God. Dorothy Gordon. Oh, what a wonderful lady. I she love was it. great. But, and you know, she we eventually had to break up because uh, her father hated me and uh broke my heart i told you about this he wrote the miami dolphins theme song what 
Miami. Mimi has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. So I'm dating. She's adopted. But I'm dating. He is her adopted father, and he hates me. It oh. hurt me Why so he hate much. You? I don't know why he didn't like me. He's Probably because pre- I lied to him. But I, actually, I, I'll tell you, he didn't like his daughter dating young boys. We're freshmen in high school. And so like, and then I remember one time when I knew I wasn't allowed to talk to her, I she had this English friend, Faith. And then I called and pretended to be Faith. <laughs> Hi, I'm oh, Faith. Oh, no, I'm Faith. <laughs> and it did not work. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ed, I can hear you breathing. I can hear you breathing and snorting. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My first music that really changed me was Pet Sounds. Oh, this. Yes, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys I loved my whole life as a kid. As a little boy, they were my favorite band, but I never listened to Pet Sounds. Mm. And Pet then, Sounds is such a, like, it's gentle, mm-hmm. but it's also creative and it goes hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, no. It's unbelievable. It's it's one of the most creative things ever made. It's my favorite album of all time. Um, obviously, uh, you know that changes week to week. But uh, the uh, but Pet Sounds itself was like I, I didn't like. I was like, oh, music can do whatever the fuck it wants. Yeah, you know, and like people like the Beach Boys did this. They made this. Like what the fuck? The beat run fun fun fun. Help me, Rhonda. Did that, you know? So it's like there's dogs barking and there's fucking like railroad track noises and like it's like no, this is anything goes. And uh, so pet sounds. I mean, I didn't listen to anything else for a full year. Like when I got to, it was like my second year of college. I was just pet sounds or bust, and that was and that was it. And yeah. so it was uh, it was a major album for me, and I it just like it put me back into classic rock. I immediately bought a record player after after getting into Pet Sounds. And then I started going to this place called Vinyl Fever, and they had dollar records. And it's all like Led Zeppelin II for a dollar. Oh, my God. You know? So I learned so much that summer, and it all came after Pet Sounds was the inspiration. And then I know everything now. I it's, love that. Yeah. I don't think there's classic rock I haven't heard at this point. You I know? love so that. It, it, because of that. And so it's uh, even though that could be considered an oldie, but whatever. An oldie be giddy. Um, I've got kind of a two-in-one, but they're similar-ish, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock and Moondog. Herbie I, Hancock's on my list. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're just jazz artists that are like, again, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And there's like, Moondog has like dogs barking, again, again like pet shop yeah. sounds, or like cymbals, there's a baby crying. And like Herbie Hancock has these sounds that kind of move in and out of each other. And like, I mean, he's done every genre of jazz. I feel like I'm going crazy, but I like it. Well, yeah, he does the fusion thing, and then he'll go back and do classic jazz solo piano. He'll do dual piano. I One of the first concert i went to in new york city was with holden we went to carnegie hall and saw herbie hancock and he did four sets 
And one of them was, uh, and the whole show was hosted by Bill Cosby, of course. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, he did a set as a solo piano player and then he did a jazz trio and then he did, these are all 45 minute sets. Wow. And then he did a dual piano with Chick Corea. And then he did a, uh, headhunters set to close it all out, which was like how I really got turned on to him because it was so funky. And then he had, um. Who was with him for the Freddie Hubbard and uh, who was the other guy? Um, He was in P-Funk. Bernie Worrell were with him on stage when he did uh, the Headhunters uh, section. And it was fucking insane. Mind-changing. Thelonious Monk's kid uh, introduced one of the sets, too. Oh, yeah? Which was very cool. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that Herbie Hancock, like, I was like, oh, okay, jazz. Yeah. It's a whole genre I haven't even fucked with yet. And there's so many. There's acid jazz. There's African jazz. There's yeah. so fusion. many. Fusion. Yeah. It's, and Herbie's done it all. Yeah. And he's the one who knows. And he's still going. He's like the one. He's like the connection he's to still everybody. Alive? He's playing the Hollywood Bowl this year. What? Yeah. No, Herbie's still going. I'm going to see how old this man is. How old? I'm going to guess, before you say it, I'm going to guess 84. 82. Close. Yeah. <laughs> Very close. But yeah, because he started so young. He was a virtuoso. Uh, mm-hmm. Cantaloupe Island was so good. But the Headhunters album uh, is real. I like Future Shock and all that other shit. But uh, the Headhunters album to me is like an irreplaceable album. Yeah. I used to always, that was always the first album I would play when I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings. Because I, I would be the guy who opened the kitchen at seven in the morning. And that was the one that like, Got me going, and they're like, "We just started off," and it's like, "Welcome to the B Dubs Kitchen, y'all." You know, like it was just like it was the coolest fucking thing. Um, my first one is the one because my dad—I don't know—maybe there's a level of racism to it, or maybe there isn't, but he didn't like hip hop, and so I didn't fuck with hip hop. You know, yeah. I just listened to oldies. That was like my thing, and like maybe like Paul Abdul. You know. My hip hop was a dancing cartoon cat uh, from Opposites Track. You know, that was right. my, and then uh, I don't know where it came from. Oh, I do know where it came from. My f- best friend's sister, Debbie, gave me and my buddy Corey uh, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill on cassette. And I was just like, oh my God, what the fuck is this shit? They're just talking about smoking. And then, then Black Sunday came out with Insane in the Brain. And then I was just like, I was off on hip hop. I was just going off like insane in the brain. I knew all the words to hits from the bong before I even know what a bong was. Yeah. You know, like a 12 year old. Hits me. from the bong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It is, yeah. It's the best shit ever. So Cypress Hill, they, they're nowhere near my favorite hip hop group now, but they got you into hip hop. They hip-hop, got me into it. And now you like it. And now I love it. And so they, they, they took something that I thought that I hated and made me realize that, oh, no, you love the fuck out of this. I love it. Yeah. I got a hip-hop band, De La Soul. Love De La Soul. Because my brother, I remember I, you know, how little sisters get into their big brother stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, like, went into his closet. I found a tape because, like, any secular music was forbidden mm-hmm. in the home. And I found it. And I was like, De, De Soul. And I put it in. And me, myself, and I played. Oh. It's me, myself, and I. And I was a lonely kid. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I would play that. Over and over and over on repeat. Yeah. I loved it. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Another big album for me was the like the third time I got stoned with some of the seniors when I was a sophomore. We all went to Best Buy together, and I bought uh, Radiohead OK Computer because it just came out that week. 
Yeah, that was a big one. You, you're big into Radiohead right now, right? I love Radiohead. And what are the songs? I'm a boy, lemon boy. <laughs> Off of OK Computer, like the big one was Paranoid, Adroid, and uh, Karma Police. Those were the big ones off of that album. And that like hit me right when weed, right when I realized I liked weed, mm-hmm. I got this album. And so it was just like a match made in heaven. Oh, they do. I'm a creep. Yeah. But they don't like playing that song anymore. I'm a loser. Yeah. And Radiohead like almost isn't music. You know, there's like music and then there's Radiohead. You know, I feel like it's, right. it doesn't, nothing's like them. It is very ethereal. Yeah. Don't get me high. Don't get me. No, that's the Benz. Yeah, that's the Benz. Yeah, Benz is great. Yeah, yeah. Why are they on this thing? Fake Plastic Trees is a great song off of that album. We can get into the Radiohead all day long, but that album, OK Computer, really like fucking. I was like, oh, OK, I like I like new rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it's not just fucking Mamas and the Papas and the Beach Boys. You know, it's I was like, this is some crazy cool shit. I love it. Yeah. And then, of course, P-Funk. I mean, that just changed my life in general. They would play at your parties, right? They taught me how to throw a party. Like they taught me like, you know, they, it's, they taught me funk. They taught me that this genre hip hop that I love wouldn't exist without them. You know, like, and it's just like, I liked a couple songs, you know, and I was always down with like tear the roof off and all that, but I didn't realize how deep it went until I became friends with Danny Bedrosian. Obviously, the first guest we've ever had on this show. Yeah. Um, the keyboard player for Parliament Funkadelic right now. And uh, they changed my life. Uh, P-Funk just like made me realize that I like, you know, you could be nerdy and super cool at the same fucking time. And watching them perform together, I loved the synergy, symmetry, it's synergy, 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 something. synergy of the band. And they because there was no wrong ideas. When it came to P-Funk, it's like, I want to dress like a giant chic. And they're like, great, have a good time. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, that's that's what P-Funk is. There's no wrong answers. It's just fucking keep the party going. Ain't no party like a P-Funk party because a P-Funk party don't stop. That's right. You know, and so it's just like, it is It is so important to me. And uh, I, I I can't thank them enough for I love it. The, the knowledge and the the love that they've given. And they also make it you cool. You yes. know, they have like a cool factor. You're less lame if you listen to P-Funk, Well, I Death think. Row, like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre is P-Funk. Yeah. Ice Cube's P-Funk. It's all P-Funk beats. They just took it all, you know, from them. And so it's cool. I'm down. But Suge Knight never paid him a fucking dime. Didn't so, he also like, like take Vanilla Ice and shake him over a balcony or something? He did a lot of things. He did a lot of bad things. I used, uh, oh my god! I used to have this joke with Mateo Lane. Prison for murder. Prison for murder. I used to have this joke with Mateo Lane of like we were Liza Minnelli and Suge Knight was like dangling us over like Suge, <laughs> don't dangle me off the balcony, Suge. <laughs> One last cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else you got? Um, I do one more, and it's kind of basic, but yeah. it changed me. And I'll do they're they're again a combo of Alanis Morissette and mm-hmm. Madonna. Nice, because it was like sexual empowerment rage. Yeah, and I didn't know what those emotions were, and I just heard this music, and I was like, "What?" You know? Yeah. No, it's the best. And I got, I got, I mean, let's see. There's a reason why they're popular, okay? Yeah, of course. There's a reason why they're popular. No, there's nothing, I have nothing against Alanis Morissette. She's one of the greatest fucking writers of all time. Absolutely. And Human Nature, that yeah. was the song, Human Nature by Madonna. Yeah. Um, Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, I put them together. They made me realize that uh, what soul could be. So, uh, no, 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 yeah. And then they have the crossover of Respect. 
because Respect is actually an Otis Redding song. And Aretha um, was covering it. And then it just like, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't Otis's song. This is your song. This is yours. And then it made her into the star that she became. And then look, when it comes to like singers, no one beats Aretha Franklin. No, I mean, I grew up with Aretha Franklin. Yeah, like, I grew up with her. Her like, bet, because yeah. secular music was not allowed, but the classics were allowed. Like yeah. Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, Bette Midler, Cher, they were on repeat. Well, Whitney Houston is Aretha Franklin's goddaughter. Really? Yeah. Uh, huh. So and so they she was like taught by Aretha Franklin, and so like and that's what I love because every singer kind of has their thing, and Aretha's thing was I'm the best. And yeah. you know, there's and like, she is. Yeah. And so, you know what I love about Aretha is that she was uh brings her purse on stage. Well, she brought her purse on stage and she would always get paid in cash, but she was late to her own funeral and had a costume change. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's fucking cool. Um Carl Orff. Um Who's that? uh classical, uh German guy, um uh, Carmana Burana, um O Fortunata. That is uh I love yeah. that. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, that like I was like, holy fuck! I didn't know classical music could be metal, yeah. you know. And so like that's I, I loved Carl Orff when I was a kid. Uh, I should get back into it. I only know um, that uh, that that uh, I don't even know what the, the something fuck you call Sinata? it. Sinata, so, sure. And of course, Black Sabbath, Nazi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, is that Black Sabbath? War Pigs. Oh, yeah. The uh, I I love them. Uh, they taught me uh, metal was cool, and I could uh, expose yeah. and I, I could expose myself. <laughs> no, I, and I could uh, I could change who I am and and uh, and just like fucking rock out for a while. They're and also just be a dirty dude. A dirty know? dude. Well, there I find them like I love Black Sabbath. I don't like Pantera. I don't know why. Oh, it's too heavy. I don't know what it is. Walk hard. I, yeah, don't, I can't. I mean, it's fine. I, I get it. I, I res- like heavy I respe- music. I respect Pantera. Yeah. But it's a little too much for me. Yeah, for me, same. Oh, yeah. But uh, I do respect Pantera. I've seen them live. The live was fucking cool. It sounds like a, you like a girl would not have a good time there. I mean, at a Pantera show? I mean, it depends. It depends. Um, depends. You know, you, you had a great time at that metal show. But something about Pantera seems more masculine. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. So. I don't know. Yeah, you know. We're moving on. We're moving on TV. TV Xena Warrior Princess. Really? Oh my God. I loved her. I I'm, love am it. I a lesbian? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Everyone know. loves Xena though. Uh, and she had that gold hoop and uh, she'd throw it. Bruce Campbell was on it. He was the thief. Yes. Yeah. I love Xena Warrior Princess. I would t- tune in every week. Yeah. Rain, shine, whatever. Sleet, snow. I'm watching Xena Warrior Princess. Hell yeah. Same era. Very different. You might actually not be happy with this choice. Married with Children. Oh, that was fun. Married with Children. Like talk- I wasn't allowed to see it. but Oh, my, it was like my show that me and my dad would watch. My mom would go to bingo every Sunday. <laughs> my mom would go to bingo and my dad and I would watch Married with Children. We had a great line. It was the best lineup in television history, in my opinion. American Gladiators, uh, The Simpsons. In living color, married with children, and then Herman's head was fine. Who's but, Herman's head? I mean, it was the it was the last show. I'm gonna look this. It, it was up. fine. It was a fun show. But married with children. I mean, what I love about married with children is, I, first of all, obviously, I'm a big fan of insult comedy. Yes. And the, married with no one did it better than married with children. But the thing that was so special about married with children was how much, no matter how much they ragged on each other, no matter what, they loved each other. 
as a family. Yeah. So much. And it was like, it was never like sappy, but it was always touching. And it like taught me that no matter how scummy my shitty family got, we could still fucking love each other. Oh. And Married with Children was a very special show for me for that exact reason. And I I, I still watch it to this day. And it's uh, it's very offensive if you've never seen it. If you're younger, you never even heard of it. It's very it's got the old guy from uh Modern Family and the uh the old lady from Sons of Anarchy and Christina Applegate, you know, and so it's a great show. Please check it out. Um, but uh with an open mind. I'm looking at Herman's head, it looks like a show for guys who don't like coffee. <laughs> it was like every thought, every, like, it was like uh, inside out for perverted dudes. Yeah. Is what it, is what yeah. Herman's head was. Interesting. Um, the nanny. The nanny was great. She was funny. She had style. She had class. She was there. Mm-hmm. You know, she, I loved her outfits every week. And I loved her that somehow TV wanted to make us think that she was ugly or something. And I was like, she's hot, you know? I don't know who thought that Fran Drescher wasn't hot. Because they wanted to make gorgeous. her have a voice like this. He's gorgeous. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. That's the humor. Yeah, no. If you got a good personality, you can have any voice you fucking want. Right. You know, and she has the best personality. She has the best. It's UHF. You ever see that? Yes. The Weird Al movie. She's in that. She's great in that. Uh, Deadwood is my next one. I've never seen Deadwood. Phenomenal show. I'm in it's, Deadwood. It's like Shakespearean. Cocksucker. Yeah, exactly. You've seen it, right? You've seen, they you've, say you've, cocksucker a lot. Yeah, right? they do say cocksucker a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, that, and then I would say probably the ultimate show that like really changed my life was a show I watched from the day I was, I can remember, is The Muppet Show. Uh, the Muppet Show taught me everything: joke structure, uh, comic timing, uh, uh, you know, theater, uh, sing and dance. Like it taught me every, just like silliness to be silly to be myself. Yeah, you know, the Muppets were perfect. I'd never seen it, and I saw it for the first time at your house. I started crying. It's so. Remember good. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched some good ones. We which who did we watch again? We watched. Um, I saw the animal. Oh, Animal, no, but who was the the host? They always had the best host. We saw the Liza Minnelli episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so much fun. Liza, yeah. Suge Knight, don't dangle me <laughs> from the balcony, Suge. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All oh. right, clothing. Fashion, yeah. You, what, what do you got uh, here? Patricia Field. She okay. designed Sex Teach in the me. City. I don't know shit. Yes, yeah, so she designed Sex in the City. She also did um, The Devil Wears Prada. Those mm-hmm. are big fashion-forward movies. So she's a big, like, everything's sort of loud, abrasive. There's, like, big chunky jewelry over, like, a fishnet neon tube top. It's like, I didn't know you could dress that way. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, and I moved to New York City, and I was working at this place, this museum, which is later on my list of things that changed me. But on my lunch break, I'd go to the Patricia Field um, shop, which is no longer there in Lower Manhattan. But mm-hmm. I would just look at like the clothing, the colors, the fabrics, and then it started influencing how I dressed. And then now I'm like, you know, I was wearing a captain's hat yeah. with a shirt that said Younger Than Jesus and like skin-tight jeans with leopard print and like earrings with aliens on it. Like, I I just didn't look like how I used to, you know? Yeah. Because I used to be the girl that was like, I don't know, I guess I'll just wear a t-shirt and some jeans and maybe a oh my card God. again. I dressed like such a fucking idiot for yeah. such a long time. Ballerina slippers. Ugh, gross. Yeah. That's no, disgusting. I did such a bad job with Dan. Uh, was, when I started, before I even moved out to Los Angeles, when I started working out here in Los Angeles, I was like, oh, 
my clothing can represent my personality. Right. I don't have to just dress like not to be seen, which is kind of how you do in New York or you do like, you know, like when you only shop at Target, you know, like you you dress like in very plain, boring shit. Dress so to fit in. Yeah, you dress to fit in. Whereas when I came to L.A., I, dr- I dressed to stand out. Yeah. And I dressed like, like I, I created this motto that is like, I, I want people to smile when they see me. And so now I dress big, I dress loud, I like to have lots of colors, lots of bright colors, and uh, and big men bright colors work so well on. Yeah. And you know, to the point where like I had this very cool green suit at my wedding, and everyone's like, green suit, and then I saw it, and like, damn, that's fucking good. It's suit. a nice green suit. Yeah. And so it's just like it is. You know, when I moved to Los Angeles, cool, I was like, oh, I can start getting cool sneakers. Right. You know, and like all this stuff. And so when I moved to L.A., it changed my style completely. And also, yeah. And when you dress. Instead of dressing to fit in, dressing to who you are, Mm -hmm. you individually are. I mean, I was getting invited to parties. I was talking to people. I was like getting jobs. Like my life improved for the better. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh, I want to wear what I feel like. Exactly. And not like, you know, jeans from the gap. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Talbot separates. I can't remember the last time I shopped at the fucking gap. It's for depressed people. I mean, I'm sure there's nice stuff there, but I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't give a fuck what your fucking gats got. <laughs> um, that's all I got for clothes. That's all I got for clothes. Yeah. Um, paintings and murals. All right, here's a guy. Uh, or just like you know, like museums in general. Mm-hmm. I learned about this guy. I was on a very um transformative trip to Baltimore. I I went there for spring break because Mr. Pastrami was up there. And I wanted to spend some time with him. I spent a week up there and we went to uh, D.C. and we went to the Smithsonian Museums because they were free. And then we went to the American Art Museum and I saw a bunch of paintings by this guy named Thomas Cole. And he's an American painter and his stuff was so big and intricate and you know I don't like religion, but it's very it's very religious and it's very like life and death and very there's angels in the sky and it's just like beautiful sunset and you got to see some of this stuff. It is it, I I would sit there and like it was one of the only times I would actually like I sat there for like 20 minutes looking at a, a painting. You know, and so it's just it, he is you got to you got to check out anything is the voyage of life old age. I looked it up. Um, this, if you, it, this, you're not even looking at it. If you're looking at it on a computer, you have to see it in person. Um, there's so much going on in this painting. It just looks like uh, a person dying off of, you know, like going to heaven off a boat, but there's so many intricate things happening in this painting. Cause it's like five feet by five feet. Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah. And it really like. I still think about this painting all the, all the fucking time. Uh, and it came out, I guess he, he made it in, uh, 1856. Whoa. Wow. I didn't even realize, but, um, it please. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta check out, uh, Thomas Cole. If you're ever at the Smithsonian or any American, uh, art museum, I'm sure they have one or two Thomas Coles there, but he's a very, uh, interesting artist that always, you know, stuck with me. I always I make sure I, I check him out. I guess art is like a time machine. Yeah. It's a way of looking into what it was like in the 1800s and we're looking at it today. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, I'm touching hands with somebody from the 1800s, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like Rembrandt. Rembrandt, of course. The darkness of it I love and the lights. Because I used to draw a lot. I kind of gave it up because I I mostly drew to, like, help my brain cope with how lonely and 
bad my childhood was. Mm -hmm. And my art was very good. I was a very, because I would just draw for like anything you do for six hours a day, you're going to be good at it over years. And um, just his study on light, his play on light, um, I loved it. And that's exactly what I do. And I won competitions and I won money. Cool. I had no idea. Yeah. You got to be drawing some shit for us. I should. Well, when I draw, I do kind of fake it. And it's like stupid now because I don't want to get back into that mindset of like, no one loves me. I can't talk to anybody. I'm so depressed. I don't know where I'm going to be next week. I haven't eaten. I'm so sad. Well, that still happens occasionally, correct? Yes. Just draw when it does. Okay. You know, maybe that'll be a new channel to get you out of it. And you can take your negative emotions and you can put it into whatever you're drawing in that moment. Right. Because my mom always said, when you, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So if you don't do something, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And I've always been kind of sad that I lost it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. I should. And I'll do it. Like, you know, I did a caricature, but they were ugly. Like, they were stupid. I didn't, because I didn't put but the But they work. were very interesting, though. Okay. They weren't stupid. They may have been No, ugly. they were stupid and wrong and bad, and I'm a horrible girl. Yeah, yeah. They were very creative. You would always say, what's your worst nightmare? And then yeah. you would draw it for people. That's it, right. Like, you know, it was a very, it was very expressionist, and he, he taught people to deal with what scared them uh, through comedy. And so your, your drawings weren't stupid and ugly. They were informative and reflective to other people's fucking problems. Well, thank you very much. Um, um, architecture. Oh, Salvador oh, sorry, Dali, sorry. of course, the best. Went to the Salvador Dali Museum Tampa. Did you see the fucking interactive thing where you put the VR goggles on? No, I didn't do that. I was doing was that. Was it cool? I did it like three times. Really? Like, can I do it again? That's awesome. Because you know how VR you get scared? But this was so weird I wasn't scared. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I love that. I I, I love the, um, the lobster telephone. Yeah. That was probably my favorite piece they had there. Yeah. And Laurie Anderson, who's a phenomenal artist, a musician. Um, but I, I recently went to the Hershor Museum in Washington, D.C., and they had a Laurie Anderson exhibit. And it was the entire floor, and it fucking shattered my brain. I love I'd it. I'd never even heard of her before. And I, I watched what she created in there. It was like a career retrospective of everything she's ever done. And it fucking blew my mind, and it made me like – mad at myself that I didn't know who she was before I accidentally stumbled upon this exhibit. So Lori Anderson, please check her out. Her music is, if you like weird music, you'll like Lori Anderson. Oh, I love her and her haircut. She has a haircut that looks like she talks like this. I think she does, yeah. Um, um, architecture. Architecture. Um, I used to work at the New Museum. So cool. That's the museum where I'd go into the Patricia Field store and like browse around but it was such a um, modern art you can take it or people don't like it understandable Mm -hmm. but just working in that space and being in that space made me feel more creative made me feel more like i wasn't crazy you know yeah there's there's i I can join in this Mm -hmm. and there was this one exhibit you close your eyes and it had this wheel that would spin with these cutouts so you would envision with the light play behind on your eyelids oh, what are those called um oh there's one there's a great toy story one that used to be at the academy museum some fucking bullshit ah uh, fuck uh, i gotta what zoetrope zoetrope thank you That's thank it. you ryan yeah thank you ryan. zoetrope yeah those, zoetropes. Are, those things are cool as fuck yeah and you would see this whole play act out like on your eyelids it was really cool so yeah. like to do that on my lunch break yeah it's that's a changed me let's rock on that shit i love that um sticking into what we were talking about earlier epcot center 
uh, you want to talk architecture? Every fucking part of that place is just cool as hell, man. The 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 starting off with the ball, the geodesic sphere. When you walk in, the the spaceship Earth is the coolest like icon for an amusement park I think I've ever seen. Um, and then you know just like all the different uh, you know areas like the where the world of motion used to be, and like you know the the living with the land. Like every pavilion has its own architecture. And then when you go to the and then when you go into the world showcase, they 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 do a phenomenal job of mimicking, uh, you know, all these different cultures. And it's like, and they didn't do it. They would, they brought in people from there to do it. And then if you look at places like even like, um, the, the European area, uh, or the, uh, not the European, the, the English part, it's like every, uh, century is represented in different, each building, each building is slightly different to each century. And so it's like, they got everything in there and it's very, uh, it's beautiful. And it feels like for people who never have a chance to travel the world, you can go to Epcot. And you, you can, can also get drunk there too. You can get hammered there for sure. I, I did Epcot around the world. Yeah, it's fun. And at the end, I think you're in Italy or something. I was like, make me something fun. He's like limoncello or something. <laughs> it was good. Oh man, it's so funny. And then um, Toronto. You ever been to Toronto? I was looking to go for a little vacation. It's a beautiful city. As far yeah. as like city architecture goes, like buildings, it's some of the most modern, interesting buildings I've ever seen. Just driving around Toronto, really like kind of just like, well, this is a beautiful place. Don't they have a clock that runs on steam? I hope so. Right. <laughs> hope so, too. And the Lincoln Memorial is fucking badass. Oh, the big old Lincoln man? Yeah, I love That's that. That's huge. Yeah, and the FDR Memorial, which I think is more art than architecture. Uh, but uh, check out, the if you're ever in D.C., I feel like it's slept on more than it should be. The FDR Memorial yeah. is gorgeous and very... Uh, poignant to our times right now i love it yeah so make sure you don't uh skip the fdr memorial if you're walking around dc we're running out of time so let's uh, let's, uh, let's speed through let's speed real through quick. A bit. oh i had one more for that uh over the architecture at the huntington library they have a desert garden which you uh, think is an oxymoron but it is so cool it feels like you're in outer space it's so cool and i then love it it was closed the last time we went there as a group but i went there alone i like being alone in these thing adventures and they have this room you sit in in the desert garden that like I missed you can it. Hear space, so you can hear what space sounds like, and it's cool. and like a stillness kind of. And I you love sit this. around these weird cacti. Recommend. I'm in. I got a membership. Oh, let's all go. I would love to. Uh, books is next. Yeah, what do you got? Universe in the teacup. I don't like math. What I find that? it horrendous. It's a it's a book that's like on the philosophy of math. Okay. I think it gets to like you got to read twenty pages to understand how one and plus one equals two. Oh, okay. And it just made me not. Um, so insane with math. Okay, I like that. I hate math. I hate math and too. So it makes that I need something to kind of take that away from me. Yes. Also, Susie Orman, the courage to be rich. I was homeless when I read this book, and it helped get me out of it. Fucking a. Yeah. Uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, Ronnie Dangerfield's autobiography. It's oh. not easy being me. Um, truly a great story. Um, inspiring for people who. You know, I think a lot of people feel like if you're not famous by your time you're 20, it's over. Yeah. Rodney didn't get famous till he was in his 50s. Wow. And he had taken a crack at comedy, uh, doing USO shows and stuff like that in the in the 40s and uh, with Bob Hope and people didn't get him. And then he, he disappeared and he went and did aluminum siding. Uh, for he travel, he would travel the country putting up aluminum siding, and then when he wouldn't get 
paid on gigs. He would do comedy shows and pay the, his workers with the money he made it from the comedy shows. And then uh, one time when he came back home, he found his wife cheating on him. And so he divorced her. And then he's like, fuck this. I'm not going to do aluminum siding. I hate this. I'm doing this for her so I can make her money. And so he just became a full-time comedian then became fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Wow. And uh, it's a phenomenal autobiography. It goes through his entire life, starting as a kid in New York in the 1930s or 40s. Uh, 1930s, I believe. And like his dad was in vaudeville. And like it's very... It made me realize that no matter what, uh, to never give up being a comedian. Never give up. Yeah. And then he, Jim Carrey, wrote the foreword uh, to the to this book. And he talks about how when he was about to give up in comedy, Rodney was the only one that would take him on the road with him. And he would bomb every night and Rodney would be sitting in the wings laughing his ass off and he would let him give up. And uh, now Jim Carrey became Jim Carrey. Of course. You know, and so it's it's like you never know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen for you. And uh, it, it's just like – and Rodney, he – yeah, he was, he was bigger than life and all this stuff and the no respect thing. But he had an eye for talent that no one else had. And I think it's so – he discovered so many great comedians. And I think uh, his contribution uh, to comedy is very understated. Yeah. And a uh, perfect joke writer as well. And The Far Side uh, by Gary Larson, of course. There's a great Wizard and a Bruiser that just came out about that. That's uh, comic books and books and all that shit. It's the funniest shit you'll ever see. People. People, um, Adam Curtis, documentary filmmaker. Um, it's it's just he's a way with words, and he has a way of finding clips that are very interesting, and mm-hmm. you don't see them quite often. Uh, let me see, Century of the Self. It's uh, these are things we should be watching. It, it it just it's a way of opening up dialogue and a way of getting you to think. Yeah, that isn't condescending and it isn't like elitist. Yeah, and um, I really like it. It's very interesting because we talked about when it came to people. We wanted to do a famous person and a non-famous person. And I did that. And then afterwards, I looked at it. I was like, oh, all my people are famous. I didn't even realize it. Um, but um, the first person that's ultra famous that like changed me is Springsteen. Oh, yeah. uh, when I moved to New York, I never really listened to his music before. I thought it was all born USA, you know, like stupid fucking uh, music like that. And then when I came, I realized how poetic and working man and how like fucking cool and blue collar he was and uh he changed the way i thought about like just sentence structure you know the way he he writes all of his songs is just is really beautiful and then i saw him live and i never he with the e street band i never seen like a group of people so in tune with each other and i you know it's just like and they were just like there were people would be holding signs up of songs that he hadn't played in 10 years in the audience. And he'd be like, all right. And they all just like, all right, everyone, let's do it right now. And like, one, two, three, four. And it's just like, bam. And they'd all nail it. Wow. And then it was just fucking, it was, they were so tight and so perfect uh, that I feel like anyone who wants to be a performer uh, needs to see the E Street Band uh, with Bruce Springsteen perform live because uh, you'll never, uh, you'll never see anything like it. I uh, love that. Do you have any other people? Uh, my mom. You know, and like every woman has like an ins and outs with her mother, Mm -hmm. but my mom is very funny. I think she's very courageous. And um, she got me to think and stand up for myself. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Marcus Parks. Oh, okay. Uh, Marcus Parks, not to, you know. Not, not your mom. Not, okay, not I guess. Well, I mean, we'll she see. Did, she did a little bit to help me. She was always very encouraging with my art. But Marcus, 
When I met Marcus, I didn't give a fuck about podcasting. I hated talk radio. I didn't like any of this shit. I didn't want to be a part of it, you know. But like when Mark, when we, when Marcus started hanging out with us, we all started doing. Then we started doing roundtable, gentlemen, and. I was like, oh, there's something to this. Yeah. And then I pivoted. I put my I put all my chips into being a sketch comedian. And then when I realized that, like, oh, I can reach so many more people this way. And then Marcus taught me how to speak into a microphone. He taught me, you know, granted, I still fuck it up from time to time. But, like, you know, he 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 taught all of us, like, what the importance of, like, like presenting yourself and showing up on time. And like, he like changed the way I, because Murderfist, we were drunken hooligans. Yeah. We got the job done. We were fucking hilarious. But Marcus definitely taught me the importance of being halfway responsible. <laughs> uh, and then also, you know, I got to sh- give a shout out to the four time round table of the year, Michael Che. He's the one recently I was always scared to do stand up because I, I bombed a couple times and I was like, it was really bad. And then, he kind of like, you know, and I never wanted to do it because, you know, my cousin's Jeff Ross and I always felt like I had like an unfair leg up on everybody because of that, you know, like getting booked on shit and all this other stuff. And then, you know, and then one time like we, I was just sitting at a bar with Che and he was just like, you have an opinion that's yeah. important and you should do it. And like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel like I can make people laugh when I get on stage. And he was like, a dog can make people laugh when it gets on stage. He's like, you have stuff to say. And so it was very inspiring to me to start that part of my career up again. And uh, always loved that guy. He taught me how to be cool and not give a shit when anything. He taught me that, um, that you're not a comedian until you're cool with bombing. You know, right. like, you know, like, don't get upset about that. You know, like, you can just fucking, you know, like, you the day you stop caring when you bomb is the day you become a comedian, you know? And, like, so you said that, and I, that really stuck with me, and uh, I, I I love him forever, and he was always a big inspiration to me. I love that. Donald Glover did that for me before really? he got famous. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting at the creek in the cave. I was only doing improv. And he said, yeah, you're not really a real comic unless you try stand-up at least. And I was like, really? And he's like, you should give it a cry. You're funny. And I was like, okay. And then he yeah. became famous like two weeks later or yeah. something. And I was like, well, all right. I guess. Hell yeah. And places, I mean, what do you got? New I mean, Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. I mean, what's better art it than New Orleans? It changes your whole brain. Yeah. Just the whole city. And then I got New York City, obviously. York. I mean, like fucking everything. And then Tallahassee is where I got Murder Fist in me and I learned about jazz. And then Iraq. When I had to go do, when I had to perform in Iraq for soldiers, Fucking, I mean, that's, you know, I, 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 I'm I disrespecting it by just talking about it for two seconds at the end of the episode. I mean, no one goes to Iraq and they're like, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's whatever. It it's was, like history there. It was the, cra- I mean, it's Mesopotamia. It's the the, the, yeah. the cradle, the civilization, you know, but, you know, it, it was, it, but then you were driving around and it's all fucking bombed out palaces and like, it was just so crazy to be there. Like people literally fighting to the death and then coming to see our show the next wow. day, you know, it was like. It was fucking life changing, and uh, I'm actually wearing my Iraq shirt right now. Look at Baghdad you, Baghdadi's the only bar in all of Iraq. Wait, they serve alcohol? It's on the ba- it's on the base. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's, like, in, it's in the, it's in the green zone. Interesting. Uh, Saudi yeah. Arabia for me, and also moving from there to Georgia, the state. Yeah. So I went from like a desert to a woods where I would like swing on vines and shit, like mm-hmm. very. Like a and pick red like berry blackberries from the trees, you know, yeah. just that sort of difference kind of changed me. 
Fuck yeah. Well, this has been a nice, long, fun episode. This was long, but I liked it, though. How yeah. long has it been? An hour and a half? How long we've we been? Hour 18. Hour 18? Oh, Not my God. Bad. Not bad. Well, guys, this has been the Brighter Side of Art that changed us. Um, go to the Brighter Side Facebook page. Let us know what art has changed you. Uh, what what is uh what has made you a better person that you know that is taken you to become the person you want to be? Yes, or something that makes you want to become a better person. I fully believe that people don't really change; they just become fuller human beings of who they already are. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's Amber Nelson speaking. Of beautiful, I'm Ed Larson. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the brighter side. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at. Amber Smelson, Eddie Tunes, Last Podcast Network, and The Brighter Side LPN. On Twitter, it's at Eddie Tunes underscore, at Amber Smelson, at Last Podcast Network, at Brighter Side LPN. And uh, Brighter Side Live on Twitch is um, it's going well. We're fucking loving this fucking thing. The next episode of that is going to be... Um, this comes out on Friday. That's going to be on Tuesday. On uh, oh wait, no, it's actually going to be on Monday. Monday, it's the day be on before Monday. Valentine's That's Day. That's right. On uh, February thirteenth, eight p.m. Uh, Pacific, eleven p.m. Eastern. Uh, you could check that out. And then starting in March, on March first, uh, we are going biweekly on Wednesdays, the first and third of the month, uh, starting on March first, and that'll be so much fun. I'm very excited to switch it up a little bit and to start doing more of these a month. I think it's a. Uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I've been loving our show. I think we're hitting a good stride and I want to double down on it. And so that's going to be uh, the second Tuesday. No mas. It's, we're going to the first and third Wednesdays of the month at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern on the last podcast network Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash last podcast network. Moving forward, um, someplace underneath is coming back in March as well. That's right. Yeah. So uh, how did co- you know? I-, I talked to Natalie. I got friends. Oh, I-, I talked to people. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Get back in your box, Eddie. Why are you talking to people, Ed? So that's so that's coming back soon. It's a fucking unbelievable show, well researched and very important. So make sure you check that out. It is a. Uh, necessary check out my movie how america killed my mother at howamericankillmymother.com it's a short film that you can rent or buy there um, both of us have patreons amber why are you gonna be better make your own <laughs> it's amber smelson it's a way to support me as an artist i do a lot of cooking and i do writing on there but you know what ever since this episode what if i said fuck it and i start drawing do it and i'll put it up there it might not be the best because i'm getting little you know getting my sea legs up again yeah yeah you gotta get it dust off the cobwebs yeah 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 you get on to it then you know what you do you take those cobwebs and you make a nice silk sweater that's right um i got a patreon too it's patreon.com slash eddie tunes and it's the home of the eddie tunes two hour radio hour um on spot and also i throw a bunch of spotify and napster playlists on there uh that you can love and enjoy um, on Spotify. If you want to follow me there, I'm Ed Larson, and on Napster, I'm Eddie Tunes. So follow me on those sticker giveaway alive and well. Just send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to the Brighter Side Care of LPN PO Box four seven zero North Hollywood California nine one six zero three. Also, if you know if that's too much work for you and you just want us to send you one, uh, no willy, no muss, no fuss. Uh, you can just DM Amber myself or the brighter side on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and we'll get it out to you. Uh, it just might take a little longer, uh, but it'll happen. Thank you to everyone who works on our show and makes the brighter side possible. Obviously Marcus, Ben and Henry and Fernando, but uh, most importantly, April, Madeline, Ryan and Maddie you all work so hard and I love you very much. Thank you so 
Mm-hmm. Kisses. And uh, taking us out today. Let's see. What's off my, you know, Herbie Hancock. Yeah. He's the only one on both of Watermelon our- Watermelon Man. Watermelon Man. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.